what's been happening is an appraiser will come and will appraise the house way below value when the African-American spouse happens to be home. But if they switch that around or in the same house, what they'll do is they'll basically take any sort of proof down that there's a black family living there and replace it with like family pictures of the white person's family. And regularly, the value of that home is 40% greater than when it's as though it's an African-American. If you want to experience white privilege, go to Kenya. Like colonization and slavery has almost affected black people. The same way, the amount of privilege that I get being around you mm. everywhere in the world, even in countries where it's like majority black. Hello. Hey there. Uh, welcome to this week's episode of the Interracial Couple Podcast. Wait, it's not all black and white. My name is Sarah. I'm black. I'm Matthew. I'm white. And welcome. Uh, and today we're going to dive into a topic that is a bit challenging. And um, anybody who is in an interracial relationship, I think, can probably relate to this in some way or another. And that is when racial tensions flare. It can trigger, it can bring something into the relationship that isn't necessarily naturally there. You know, uh, race does not play a very big role in our relationship, but race is something that plays a role in the world. And therefore, when the world's racial stuff, um, you know, flares in a major way, it inevitably comes into our relationship. Um, and this last week, obviously with, uh, Jacob Blake, um, there has been, you know, that's, that's come up again. Yeah. I feel like every time these protest or someone, not someone, a black man usually gets shot. There's tension in our relationship. And not like tension necessarily, because I just kind of feel like there's tension in the country. So it's just that, I don't know, automatically that there's, we both are so vocal about the injustice that it's almost difficult not to have like tough weeks. And like when it's happening and there's tension in the country that we are also like struggling with it. Yeah. Um and I don't, well, you said it's in our relationship. I, I, um, you know, the challenge shows up in our relationship. I don't know if that, I mean, I, you felt it differently and I saw how you also reacted. Like you needed some space to just kind of process. Um, yeah, I am also kind of learning slowly to fit in as a African in America, like, What's happening, I grew up in a majority black country. So what's happening is almost like I'm learning how the color of my skin is viewed. You know, like I didn't grow up with racism and like I didn't think, I, the, I didn't really think about the color of my skin every single minute. But now living in America, it's like inevitable not to think about the color of your skin all the time. Mm. You know, and it takes a toll on you. And my hat goes out to like young um, black kids in America. Like it's just a lot to carry as an adult. 
I can only imagine how it feels to like be 10 and constantly have to think about the color of your skin. Like I just never thought about the color of my skin. Uh, To be honest, I don't deal with racism on my everyday basis. You know, like people don't say nasty things to you because of the color of your skin. Correct. I mean, uh, I live in California. People are very conscious here. Um, and I tend, I work from home, so I'm not out in the world all the time dealing with racism. But what I know is that it affects me deeper than anything because it affects where I'm going to live. It affects housing. It affects so many things, you know, and I'm, I've become so passionate about the wealth gap in the country. And it breaks my heart to know that the the disparity in the wealth gap. I'm reading a book called The Color of Money, and it's infuriating. Like when I read those kind of books about you know how, and also like in business, like it's really hard for me to get funding, um, and it's hard for me to get funding even from my own family. And I know like I'm not special because we don't have wealth, and. I think what also makes me so angry, it's like, it's not just blacks in America that don't have the wealth. It's also blacks in Africa where like the poorest continent with so many resources and it just, you know, and it's, yeah, it sometimes make me depressed like last week. Yeah. And, you know, I, uh, I think you kind of like hit the nail on the head is that I, uh, is that it's like this bigger thing. It's not the everyday stuff. It's the stuff that actually has a much bigger impact, you know? So, um, I was thinking when I thought back, you know, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhoods and predominantly white areas. Um, and so to me, racism was like the stuff that I see on TV or whatever at like Trump rallies. You know, that to me was racism. Racism was using the N word. Racism was, uh, like, um, that, that movie with, uh, Edward Norton. Um, you know, uh, I forget what it was called, but the one where he's like a white supremacist, like that to me was racism. I think, and then you also see, you know, I'm right now, I see a lot of white people who sort of defend themselves or it's not all white people or black people have to pull themselves up by their bootstraps or this kind of stuff, you know, or like, I'm not racist, basically meaning I don't call black people the N-word and I don't uh, see a black person and think like, I want to go lynch them or whatever. Like that is what we've come to think is what is not race or not we, but that's, I think there are a lot of white people who will look and say, that's what racism is. And that's not me. Correct. And I feel like for me, I don't look, yeah, that is racism, but I think it's racism goes even deeper when you look from it, from an academic point of view, it's the system that keeps oppressing Black people, right. you know, it's not so much the everyday doing and that hurts, but it's the system that keeps us in like this perpetual cycle of inequality and poverty. That to me is like what has been really making me so like well, let's, depressed. Let, but let, let's talk about a specific example. So okay. last week, a black man was shot seven times in the back while his children were watching. Okay. That's just, that happened. Um, and so that kind of hit you, right? But then something else happened, which is 
this article that was published in the New York Times about the rate, how uh, some of it might be conscious, but almost an unconscious bias uh, in the in in housing. And so this article did a a study into uh, home values of African Americans. And uh, it's now being studied and documented that that uh, and we can see this because there have been times where there's like a mixed race uh, family like you and me, where what's been happening is uh, an appraiser will come and will appraise the house way below value when the African-American spouse happens to be home. But if they switch that around or in the same house, what they'll do is they'll basically take any sort of proof down that there's a black family living there and replace it with like family pictures of the white person's family. And regularly, the value of that home uh, is 40% greater than when it's African, when it's as though it's an African-American. Now, that you can say, you can look at, say, appraisers who do that, and those people would say, I'm not racist, because it's something that is so underneath the surface that they can't even recognize it. When you say, I'm not racist, then you're also actually not examining areas in which you have unconscious biases that you have no even idea that you have. This is so common with sort of human thinking. And then last week, one of the things that happened is that, you know, the stuff was happening with Jacob Blake and then reading that article. And when you look at this and you see somebody's house was, it was a $200,000 difference in one of the key studies, $200,000, right? It went from I know, I, 250 to $450,000, right? Now, the difference, let's say somebody has a mortgage or whatever, the difference in that is whether or not those kids can afford, their kids can afford to go to college or not. You know, and so it's this continuous pushing. And that, I think, was just one of those things that really hit home. And then there was, oh, and then you're re- reading The Color of Money. And I felt like there was one other thing and it was just sort of hammering into you kind of this like, wow. Like, what yeah. about catching a break? I know. That article was like, yeah, the stuff with Jacob Blake was like happening and it's painful. But then on top of that, to read that article and know that if we were ever to buy a home, and also it's because it was like an interracial couple, that if we were to buy a home and I was home, that my house would be devalued. So I was just like, wait, so now if I were to sell a home, you'd have to be there to sell a home? And, yeah, and, right. and then I was like thinking like, okay, good for me. I have a white man as as as, as a husband. Like what's happening to all the black people that don't um, have white men in their lives? Right. <laughs> or, or, yeah, or, you or know? a woman, yeah. Yeah, and then I'm like, um, wait, and, and, does and that just... make me less? Like, no, but I but, black. but we can also even go back to like uh uh what's the first initials of his name Hewley the actor um who had the same thing but he got his appraiser back and he went back to the bank and the bank was like that's ridiculous we're going to order a new appraisal because there's no way your house can be devalued like that when you live in West Hills in Los Angeles that's impossible that's a, an impossible amount so he also did the same thing. He said when when they re, re, uh, called it back, he actually had his white neighbor stand in for him, and it was a two hundred thousand dollar difference again. It went or two hundred and fifty. It went from five hundred and something thousand dollars to seven hundred and something thousand dollars. Right, and this is actually a, a very well known Hollywood actor 
who also experiences the same thing. It's just so ingrained. Um, but like we know anybody, you know, for the most part, you know, in our audience, like you, uh, experience some of that you know there's a thing going around on tiktok of like have you ever been pulled over for no reason you know with like the white partner and the black couple and you know we've seen that if you ever uh, had people cross the street because uh, you know when you were walking down the street um to like avoid you all of these things you know um so in some ways like this is something that we're all aware of um and if we're not aware of it either uh we're not focusing on it or um we haven't actually seen how it directly impacts us so therefore it's like it doesn't exist it's kind of like you when you first got here or your uh or our friend francis who took him like 20 years to recognize racism because he just couldn't see it because he didn't know what to look for and he hadn't grown up with it and he grew up and he's nigerian right mm -hmm. um so so you have kind of that, but I think one of the things that I wanted to kind of dig into a little bit is, is how do we support each other? You know, because it could be very easy, I think, as the white partner to get a little bit defensive, like, you know, it's not me doing that. Um, you know, I'm doing, I'm working my butt off in with it, both within my relationship and in the world to make a difference. Um, you know, I'm trying to understand though. I can't fully understand, um, like I'm doing my best right? But that actually doesn't matter. You know, I could, I could be the perfect person and it wouldn't actually, uh, reduce or eliminate would reduce for sure, but it wouldn't eliminate the fact that this reality in the world we live in is going to come into our lives and into our relationships simply because we live in a racist world. Yeah. And I think really it's really important for me even when i'm going through that to remind myself that it's not about you and i it's actually about a system that's created and so if we can't separate those two like it just becomes like i also have like i'm like wait am i blaming my partner for what's like what's happening um but then i also have to like just remind myself like i trust you to know like when i'm talking about whiteness and white supremacy, I'm not talking about you, right. you know, yeah. so. Or racism or whatever, I get it. And yeah. at the same time, and I think that's one of the things that that we've had to bring into our relationship is really depersonalizing the situation, you know? And I think we can do that when we, when we kind of look systemically, but it can also be difficult. Because so last week, there were three days where you really could not interact. No, you know? I, I just... Something happened like last week where it's just like the reality of living the last two years in Kenya and then coming into America with the an arrest that is here was just like so much to handle. Like, do I want to stay here? And then I'm just like, wait, like there isn't really a safe colonization and slavery has almost affected black people the same way, differently, but the outcome, there's, simil there's similarities, there's similarities of, of the white superiority complex around the world. Yeah. And so I'm thinking like, is Kenya even that good? Like I lived in Kenya with you and it was, if you want to experience white privilege, go to Kenya. Like it's for me. Over overt white, white privilege. Because here the covert white privilege is shocking, but you don't necessarily notice it. Yeah. And yeah. being with you in last year in Kenya was just like, Wow. Even in a black country, like we are trained to view whiteness as 
I don't know, like a mate, like it, it just, I, it was shocked me. Just the amount of privilege that I get being around you mm. everywhere in the world, even in countries where it's like majority black. Yep. And then I come here and it's the same thing. And so I was like three days of like asking myself, like, where is that place that I can disappear to? <laughs> like, where is that space where it can be fully a human black woman? without experiencing that this privilege that I experienced around being with you. And it was just like in my bed, like there was, there was nowhere. Like that's kind of like, I just kind of wanted to like almost not think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, and then I think what comes back then is like, is the respect that we have to understand that's underlying in our relationship so that like, when you are kind of having these kind of understandable timeouts in your life that I don't personalize it because it could be very simple. Like you don't want to talk. You want to just sit there and watch Netflix all day. Yeah. Right. And in that case, it could be like, you know, in when, in, in withdrawn, like you withdrew. I withdrew. I literally withdrew from life. Like I was just like, I am watching Netflix, drinking wine and eating cheese (laughs) and like those were the three things i committed to for three days i was just like no conversation no intellectual no phones like i was just like i'm just watching movies and i also was like i'm also gonna choose movies that are kind of cute like out of this world and i said like also like the books that i chose i was like no more color of money like i'm just gonna read like this spiritual book about like another world it's kind of crazy but i was i did check out mm-hmm. and i also checked out out of out of our relationship like with you i was just like i need a break right and then for me like did when you look back i mean for me that was like play, like handling that has been also a process and a journey that really began long before we got together you know not taking things personally this kind of stuff um but then it just really kind of became this thing for me to um, say, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to do this right. You know, uh, at one point, like you had breakfast, uh, like late breakfast and then didn't come out of the room and I brought you some food, you know, just like here, here's some food, you know, and you were it's ravenous. Um, I'm so hungry. and it was like, I, it was in this place where I had to say, you know, I, I'm going to be supportive. Even if you, uh, were, you know, Whatever was going on with you, it wasn't, I knew it wasn't about me. And even if it, it seemed that way, because at some point, like towards the end of it, I was kind of doing some stuff and I just said, Hey, I need to, I'm crossing stuff off my list. I just need to put this on. This is something you actually really need to take care of, um, before the end of the weekend. And you don't have to do it now. That was on a Saturday morning or something. It was still two days and you snapped at me about it. Right. Yeah. You know, and kind of got you into a negative mood. And, you know, you're like, I just need space. Like, why can't you give it to me? And then at that moment, it could have easily been where I could have gotten defensive. Right. To be like, why are you treating me this way? I'm bringing you food. I'm giving you space. I'm doing all these things. And what is it still not good enough Mm -hmm. or all this stuff that I could have gone to, you know, but ultimately what it came down for me and what I needed to work on and deal with was, None of this is personal. None of it is, you know, about me. Um, We are a team and I can, you know, and in this moment, it's just incumbent upon me 
to not take anything personally, you know, yeah, because otherwise it, I could have perpetuated that. Then, then it could have been a, become about us. Yeah. And it was, it was not about us. White. Oh, white. yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, guys, like I actually, I snapped. Like I was yeah. just like, I just, I cannot talk about this. Like I just need a break from this. Right. In my life, it's a little bit different because I deal with it regularly because, you know, because it's part of you, because you're a part of my life. Um, but for really before then, obviously social justice, all kind of, I mean, racial justice, social justice, gender justice, these things I've always been very passionate about, but in a lot of ways, very theoretical, you know, and granted, yes, I've got a bunch of daughters and I've been, you know, and I've, I've been in relationships with women before and I understand as much as possible. Uh, and I've made a great effort, but it all still stays like, I just can't understand it quite in the same way. But kind of going back here is that, you know, for, for people like your, you know, your American family, as it were, being Caucasian, um, are like equally as passionate about justice and social justice, but it's still theoretical. They can still go to bed knowing that like, that, you know, they, uh, you know, for example, they like your post brother, who's like doing, you know, is studying for the bar exam. You know, he knows that he's got the support. He's got his parents' house to live in where he can, doesn't have to work for several months in order to study. Right. Like that's, you know, and it, it drives him crazy that he has that privilege knowing that you also have a good friend who's African-American who went to the same law school, but had, like didn't have that kind of support and had to work and work and work while trying to study. And eventually it just became impossible. Yeah. And he also knows, like he even said, you know, the bar was basically designed in part to keep minorities out because you have to have wealth, uh, you know, in order to have the time that it takes to study for the bar. You yeah. can't be working at the same time. You can't have all of these kind of things stacked against you. It's just too much. And so, but still, that's theoretical. Like, we want to change it. But at the end of the day, I'm going to bed in a really comfortable house with air conditioning when it's hot outside. And, you know, and so, you know, it, I feel like it can, it that theory versus living with it is just so different. Yeah, I think like, and I, that's why it's like, for me, it's like, I'm leaving it. And almost for you, you're living it with me. So you're experiencing it. But when I do talk to like, white friends and like my white family, it's just like, I cannot, I'm starting to be like more careful because I don't want to be involved in the theory all the time. Because it's like, it's that being in this country, it's like my, it's becoming my lived in experience. So I don't want to hash my lived in experience. And sometimes I just need a break from it, Yeah, you know? And I was just like, I went on Twitter and I was like, what are other black women doing? And they were just like, we drink wine, we cater to our plants. And it's like these small things mm -hmm. that actually that is self-care with everything that's happening. Like I feel like if you get so involved, like it can actually drain you so yeah. much so i'm like how can i get involved and at the same time take care of myself because it just almost seems like endless right you know it's george freud it's like all these uncountable people that i you just lose kind of track and i'm just like is this ever gonna end 
you know? And it, sometimes you're like, yeah, you go protest, you do this, you do this, you contribute, you donate. And sometimes you're just like, I just want to take a break from it. Yeah, it's you're right. It's as though it becomes this, you know, a weight. And I think just kind of like dealing that with that in the relationship is really like, you know, I think for me as the, as the Caucasian in this relationship um, is to really hold the space and like actually not judge. I don't have the answers. I'm going to be an ally, but I'm also going to make mistakes. Um, I'm willing to not give up when I say something, you know, and I've, we've talked about this before on the podcast. Like I've said things that were offensive or hurtful. Um, and early on I was like, oh, I would feel really bad about it. Or I would now I don't want to say something cause I might say something stupid. And instead saying, you know what, if I say something stupid, if I say something offensive, uh, that's okay. I will forgive myself and you can not forgive me or forgive me as you want to. Um, but I have to actually really, um, you know, I need to sort of let go of the need to be right, to understand, to know what's the best thing to do. I need to let go of all of that stuff in order to really be present there for you. And however you're going to react or go through, I can just hold the space. It's really not about me. You know, you know, this, all the stuff that's going on is not about me. Um, you know, I have a part to play. I feel like I have a huge part to play and I will play that part, you know? Um, but I also like first and foremost is listening and giving the space and being a servant, not necessarily a leader. Yeah. So for all the interracial couple out there, like I want to know how like the two of you navigate what's happening and what has been happening in this country, you know, in terms of race, like how do you guys talk about it? Like, how do you hold it? You know, because I think it's a thing that interracial couples have to navigate because one person has the, especially like interracial couples who are like white and black is like one person holds the privilege, Mm -hmm. um, but then you are equal in the relationship. And like, how do you navigate that? So, yeah, it's really, I think it is, it's, it's important just to bring the awareness. And I think I'm sure we'll have this conversation again and even continue to explore a bit deeper because it's something that's going to continue to come up. And we all know we have to be allies for each other. We need to, you need to create the space for me to be a human before being like a white person. And I need to create the space kind of for the same thing, but at the same time, understanding that we are in this life, in this particular world together as an interracial couple. So thanks for tuning in today and listening to our podcast. Once again, as always, make sure to subscribe, follow uh, on you know social media, on wherever you get your podcasts. Um, yeah, make sure to subscribe. Also, you if you're watching on YouTube, you know, click below, hit the subscribe button. Uh, we'd love to have you. And then uh, anytime you have any comments or something you'd like us to bring in, or as Sarah mentioned, how you're dealing with this, please make sure to uh, you know, make a comment below or check out our Facebook page, which is The Interracial Couple. And um, we look forward to hearing from you and staying in touch. Yep. Have a fabulous week. Thanks for tuning in. 